Welcome everyone to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for everything horror. Now here's your hosts, Justin and Brandon. Take it away, boys. Hello everybody and welcome back to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for just about everything that could be considered horror. And we are your hosts, my name is Justin. And my name is Brandon. Welcome back to Hi. the show. It's almost like we never left. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> that, is that becoming your thing now, where you're going to do that every Bose episode? Because I feel like you do it with We Are Marvel as well. <laughs> it's a thing. Did not, I believe Jeremy even commented the last time it happened. You're like, okay, so this is going to continue. <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. even know I'm doing it. I know. It's I predictabilities. It hey, just happens. It's you. Authentic, same old Justin. That doesn't sound like a backhanded compliment at all. It's uh, not. This time, uh, our last episode, which uh, premiered last week, was about the classic The Exorcist. And this week, the companion episode is a list of true possession stories, which I found after scouring the internet for a good old 10-15 minutes on thelineup.com. Nice. So I want to give up full credit. This was Mm -hmm. not my doing. I found the page and went, this is good. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we are lifting fully from them. Credit where credit is due. Thank you very much. Exactly. And I'll I'll put, I'll put, I'll credit it in the description and all that kind of stuff too. Thank you, the lineup staff who did a bang up article January 10th, 2018. We thank you Yes. For making our lives easier. Yeah. Uh, so we got a list of nine. Uh, the, the title of the article is Nine Disturbing Cases of Real Life Exorcism and Possession. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I haven't read through these in quite a while. I found this a long time ago because I did the research for Exorcist a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but without much ado... It's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Adieu, and here we are. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, our first one. one is Annalise Mitchell. Uh, perhaps one of the most terrifying exorcism cases in history, Annalise Mitchell's story went on to inspire the 2005 film The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which, if you haven't seen it, is a very disturbing movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitchell, a young German woman, had struggled for an from an early age with mental illness diagnosed with epileptic psychosis she also experienced depression and visual and auditory hallucinations for which she was hospitalized with time her symptoms intensified growing to include an aversion towards religious iconography Uh, both she and her catholic family attributed her condition to demonic possession and beginning at 22 she underwent an intense 10 months of catholic exorcism rites Uh, nearly 70 exorcisms were performed in secrecy under the order of the church and in july of 1976 mitchell passed away uh, an autopsy declared her death was the result of Emaciation, emaciation, sir. Uh, malnutrition and starvation at the hands of her priests and her family, who had during the exorcisms discontinued consultations with doctors. Oh, yeah. 
the family and priests involved were investigated, charged with uh, negligent homicide, and found guilty of manslaughter, serving six months in jail and three years probation. Yeah, rightfully so. Like, I get that you're doing exorcisms and all that kind of shit, but you you can't not feed a person, no matter yeah. what's going on inside there. Like, even in the seventies, like yes. And well, that's I mean, again, I know it's the seventies, and you know things were just done differently, mm. mostly for worse, yeah. rarely for better. Uh, but like. You would think at a certain point they'd be like, yeah, we're trying to get the demon out, but if we kill her, like, it really doesn't matter if the demon's out. Yeah. Really, it like kind of serves the same purpose <clears throat> there. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so number two mm-hmm. is Anna Eklund. Um, often said to include speaking in tongues and strange guttural voices, levitating and clinging to bedroom walls, disturbed thoughts and revulsion of holy objects in sacred spaces, Eklund's possession spanned several decades beginning in 1912 when she was just 14 years old. Her case was so well known that it served as the basis um, for the for a time profile of the priest in charge of her exorcism, Father Theophilus Reisinger. Anna's demonic possession was reportedly the result of a curse put on the devout Catholic in 1908 by her caretakers. Her father and her aunt Mina, um, sorry, her father and her aunt Mina, Mina uh, was widely believed to be the lover of Anna's father, as well as a witch who used spelled herbs in Eklund's food to put her under the demonic spell. Father Carl Vogel penned an account of Anna's possession in a pamphlet published in 1936 called Begone, Satan, a soul-stirring account of diabolical possessions in Iowa. Um, The first exorcism performed on Eklund in 1912 was successful for a time, but Eklund would be possessed again by an even um, more... would Possessed again by even more demons in 1928. I thought it was going to go into detail (laughs) in the demon there. Um, Her second exorcism, which lasted three sessions was held at a coven, um, covent in Erle- Erling, Iowa. Erling. Erling, Iowa, and was so grueling it resulted in the deterioration of Eklund's body. The demons were eventually exorcised, and Eklund went on to live her life with only mild, milder possessions after. Imagine... <laughs> so you only just, had a mild case of possession after that. Yeah, That's good. just a slim... You know, just take some ibuprofen and you'll be fine. Just real light possess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some orange juice and a good night's rest. You'll be you'll clear that possession right up. Well, that really sucks too because it said it spanned a couple decades. You find out that your dad's begging your aunt, and then like the aunt's a witch, and she's just tossing some nasty shit in your food. Like, well, you know what? Mom? Also, this sounds like the aunt and the dad were boning and didn't want anyone to believe her after mm-hmm. she found out, so they poisoned her uh. and said oh she's possessed so uh, right <laughs> but at the same time apparently she was having mild possessions later on so is that just ptsd is that'd be she, my know, guess hallucinations like who i mean knows? after all the exorcisms and the shit go like i mean that's gotta mess with your brain yeah it wouldn't surprise me at all yeah 
Uh, number three, the Smurls poltergeist. Unlike many other well-known cases of demonic possession, the Smurl family claimed it was not a person who was possessed. Instead, they claimed their West uh, Pittston, Pennsylvania double-block home had been taken over by a poltergeist. Ooh. The Smurls family's case was both highly publicized and heavily scrutinized, sure, discredited by paranormal professionals and clergy who claimed on several occasions that nothing unusual was happening at the residence. Shock. However, paranormal investigators and demonologists uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren claimed the house was occupied by a, quote, very powerful demon, performing several exorcisms on the home to rid it of the dark shadow they saw there. Uh, the unsuccessful exorcism was done in an attempt to stop the demon's alleged attacks on the family, which included loud banging, foul-smelling odors, shaken mattresses, physical and sexual assaults on one member of the family, others being pushed downstairs, and even their dog being thrown into the wall. Now that's where I draw the line. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hurt the fucking dog. Right. Uh, in 1986, after publishing a book about their experiences, the family claimed intense prayer had helped return things to normal, although the family uh, matriarch said there were still odd occurrences in 1987. So the thing that stands out to me about this is the fact that it does feature Ed, Ed and Lorraine Warren. So I'm wondering, is this going to be a spinoff um, movie with The Conjuring? <laughs> it's gonna or be the conjuring already who knows maybe it's the conjuring smurls poltergeist it's like oh my God, that sounds horrible <laughs> maybe they'll change the name Smur smurl just doesn't roll off the tongue it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> and if your last name is smurl sorry I, uh, i'm sorry that it sounds like we're making fun of you but at the same time i'm pretty sure you've had the same thought because your name is smurl yeah it's, my name is smurl Sounds like, oh, <laughs> like I got it from the beginning, but then I thought of the possibilities of what that show would be. It'd be a poltergeist in a trailer park. <laughs> um, yeah, as long so, as Jamie Presley's involved, we're fine. Yeah, right. And so we're also going to post the link of the website as well, so yeah. um, you can read through it yourselves if you if you'd like. Each each um, section or entry, if you will, has a photo related yep. to the case so the first one shows um, a photo of Annalise um, the second one has the exorcism of Anna Uckland which I believe looks to be a movie um, yeah. but looks they have a like photo it. of that they got a photo of the Smurls number four on the list is Roland mm -hmm. Doe and the picture for this shows the Roland Doe family home in Missouri in Missouri mm -hmm. Missouri Missouri like a nice house it does look like a nice house it it's looks like, like the a, Home Alone house. I was going to say, it's like a very small version <laughs> of the Home Alone house. Um, God damn, yeah. It's the <laughs> the pool house of the yeah. Home Alone house. Just um, So, in many ways, Eklund and Roland Doe, also known by another alias, Robbie Mannheim, had, a sim had similar experiences with possession, including the fact that both were cataloged and published by priests. Doe's case became so notorious that it, too, um, was adapted into a film. His case was in, uh, the inspiration for the 1973 horror classic, The Exorcist. There Twist. we go. Twist. <laughs> <laughs> um, after the passing of his aunt, the 13-year-old turned to a spirit board to commune with his beloved family member. 
Instead of inviting his aunt, Roland apparently invited something much more sinister, as they always do. Mm-hmm. After the family became overwhelmed by weird occurrences, including odd noises, furniture moving by itself, and objects levitating when Roland was around, they reached out to their Lutheran pastor who, after monitoring Roland's behavior, declared that he should see a Catholic priest. He did. During the resulting exorcism, the boy slashed the Catholic priest's arm with a bedspring. Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> a temp- temporarily putting an end to any further action. Ow. That would hurt. A bedspring. Good God. Cut me with Especially a Especially an knife. old school <laughs> bedspring. Like, those things were probably Fucking nasty. Tetanus. Um, the family then moved to St. Louis and saw three more priests who, with the permission of an archbishop, carried out around 30 exorcisms on Roland in the psychiatric wing of a city hospital. Messages were written on his skin, guttural voices, and extreme strength were noted in one priest's diary before the young boy was eventually freed of the malicious spirit with no memory of the incident. Essentially what we just talked about uh, last week with the movie. And one thing we forgot to mention, because Reagan actually does uh, use a Ouija board yeah, briefly. Yeah, briefly. And I, I kind of forgot about that, but it's... And she does kind of commune with... I don't remember the what she calls the spirit. Mm-hmm. But that could be... We couldn't figure out why it chose her, but maybe that's what drew it yeah. to her, was the calling out to it after... Yep. I don't know. Very possible. Oh, man, you get the good one. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> you got the one about the movie I just talked about. So I that's, know, that's but you, you got the high profile. <laughs> uh, number five, Mr. David Berkowitz, a.k.a. the son of Sam, and we Girl. get a goofy-ass look at his uh, mugshot. Yeah. One of America's most notorious serial killers claimed to have been possessed during his spree, blaming the demons for the murder of six New York City residents. In the year between 1976 and 1977, Berkowitz would terrorize the residents of the city's five boroughs, murdering six and wounding seven, a violent spree he attributed to Papa Sam, (laughs) a mysterious evil figure Berkowitz referenced in the letters he left at his crime scenes. After his capture, it was revealed that Sam was the dog of his neighbor, Sam Carr. Berkowitz claimed in his prison diaries that the animal was possessed by a 6,000-year-old man named Sam, an alcoholic who consumed human blood. Because that's just what you do. As an alcoholic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wines run out, blood it is. Berkowitz also claimed the spirit locked him in the attic and commanded him to kill through the dog. Quote, he told me to kill through his dog, as he usually does. That's just what you do. David wrote in his diaries before revealing concern that he, quote, may one day evolve into a humanoid or demon in a more complete state. Sweet. Hmm. Anamorphs. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Hurry up. Although Berkowitz has gone back and forth, sometimes sticking with the possession story, sometimes recanting it, he, to this day, believes that his crimes were part of an epic struggle between God and the devil. Or... course. He's just crazy. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Summer of Sam, that's that's a real popular topic. Yeah. Um... 
Did you have anything more you were going to... Yeah, there, there's more to this. Unlike several other well-known cases oh. of exorcism... Yeah, I didn't realize there was more either. But no, you're it, reading the is. next one. Oh, it is? Yeah. The, oh, the, sorry. The, I'm, no, you're fine. Yeah, I got ahead of myself. I didn't see the six. Never I for, mind. I forgive I you. I am done. Sorry. I forgive you. Good. I'm just it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not you. your fault. <laughs> So, the next one, the strange case of Michael Taylor. Um, the photo is, um, is a, um, looks like a newspaper, newspaper. article. Yeah. Shut up! My okay. wife's gone now, so now I'm in control of the house. And my dog and my daughter and everybody. Opie! You little jerk. All right. So, Sam, <laughs> so this is, is the dog talking one. to you? Yeah, yeah. uh-oh. <laughs> oh, he was right there. I thought I was going to move my shoulder and you see him standing there. Um, un- quiet, please. Um, so unlike several other well-known cases of exorcism, Michael Taylor's did not end in a return to normalcy. After Christine Taylor accused her increasingly erratic and socially distant husband of adultery with their church group leader during a meeting, Taylor lashed out at both his wife and his alleged mistress. In a short time, his terrifying behavior increased in frequency and in intensity, um, and it was decided that Michael would have uh, would be seen by priests. Following a full night of exhaustive exorcism sessions, the priests claimed they had pulled upwards of forty demons from Taylor, but that several remained inside him when they sent him home. Upon his return, he violently murdered his wife and strangled the family poodle to death. You dick. He was picked up by police after wandering the neighborhood streets soaked in blood. That's nice. Wow. That doesn't sound like... I feel like like this guy's just an ass face. Yeah, this guy just murdered people. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I felt like, especially... This doesn't have, like, a time stamp on it. Like, when it actually happened. I'm sure I could find out when it was with a little bit of digging. Sure. But, like... I feel like way back in the day, that was just a catch-all for people who were pieces of shit. Like, oh, they're possessed. Yeah. It's not that he was cheating and decided to take revenge when he got caught. It was, Mm -hmm. he's possessed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Number seven here, Clara Germana Sell, Kell. Mm -hmm. Uh, The case takes us all the way to a mission school in Mzinto, South Africa. The 16-year-old student was allegedly possessed in late summer of 1906 after making a pact with the devil. As word about the pact reached one of the school's priests, Clara's behavior began to become erratic and intensified rapidly, with witnesses claiming that the young girl developed a strong aversion to holy objects, tore at her clothes, talked to things that weren't visible, and growled like an animal. She also gained knowledge of other languages, supposedly levitated up to five feet off the ground, exhibited superhuman strength, and relayed personal information about others she shouldn't have been able to know. All trademarks of possession. And a lot of what we saw in The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two priests performed an exorcism that lasted more than a day, but another became necessary in January of 1907 after the girl admitted she had made yet another pact with the devil. 
<laughs> Another exorcism was allegedly performed, this time lasting two days before she was freed of the demon. She's like, guys, I want to thank you. You really helped me. But we have a problem. I did it again. <laughs> I made I another pact. Uh, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I need a stick of gum. And I need a <laughs> stick of gum. You make a pact with the devil. That's what yeah. you do. I needed something. <laughs> All right. The next one is Dr. Richard Gallagher and Julia. So the photo for this does show the New York Medical College. Um, the phys- uh, the possession case, oh, I'm sorry, this possession case is the most recent on the list, occurring less than 10 years ago in 2008 at the time of the article. Mm-hmm. A board-certified psychiatrist and teacher at both Columbia University and New York Medical College, Richard E. Gallagher, declared that his patient, known only as Julia, had experienced possession Describing as a charming and engaging woman, Julia was the queen of a satanic cult. Sure. After feeling convinced she was being attacked by a demon, Julia reached out to a local priest who, in turn, reached out to Gallagher to put the woman through psychiatric treatment. Um, But Gallagher ruled out mental illness after seeing his patient enter trance-like states and finding items flying off the shelves in his office julia began speaking in tongues and sharing details about his life that she possibly you know she couldn't know Mm. one event that sealed the deal for the yale educated medical professional was when during a phone call with julia's priest he heard one of the demonic voices that had come through or come from her mouth except she was nowhere near the phone Julia was eventually exercised, and a process during which she allegedly spewed threats, levitated, exhibited super strength, um, and changed the temperature of the room. Oh, so what you're saying is right now I need to make a pact (laughs) to lower the temperature in my garage. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think it would help. It might. I'd feel better. The thing that makes, like, all the other ones are so long ago, it's like, people just, like we were saying, like, just were like, yeah, I don't like this, they must be possessed. Mm-hmm. This it's one like, happening, like, 15 years ago. Yeah. It's like, mm. Yeah, it's like back in the 1800s, you know, those who cry witch, like, oh, yeah. possession, possession, yeah. which is like, okay. But when it happens during a time when I was alive and mm. relatively close to adulthood, yeah. it's like, hmm. Uh, last one before we let you go. Carolyn Perrin and the Perrin family. Looks like a picture of the Perrin family here. Mm-hmm. Looking creepy as all get out. Um, here we go. Adapted for the big screen into the hugely successful Hollywood horror hit, The Conjuring. Ooh. This possession is the epitome of a real-life horror story. Soon after, the Perrin family moved into their dream house in a quaint Rhode Island neighborhood in 1970, the haunting began. The large family immediately began to experience odd and terrifying happenings from some things as small as odd sounds to those as terrifying as family members being pulled from their beds. Mm-hmm. On a number of occasions, the ghosts of a woman who hanged herself on the property appeared. She particularly abhorred the Perrin matriarch, harassing and eventually possessing her. The paranormal mm-hmm. investigative duo Ed and Lorraine Warren, back again. Of course. <laughs> were 
brought in and after evaluating the pair in situation declared that there had been quite a few insidious things. God the... damn it. <laughs> <laughs> of course they did. Of course it's, in, it's insidious. <laughs> that God, occurred in make, the home. You're going to make me watch that damn movie too. I know it. <laughs> no, after I watched it, I didn't really care for it. Around the pro- uh, occurred in the home and around the property that cast a dark cloud over the entire place. Attempts to uh, exercise the malevolent spirit from the home failed, and the family endured its torment until 1980 when they fled to Georgia. Ooh. So that was a whopping 10 years that they uh, dealt with that nonsense. Yes, they did. Yucker doodles. Yucker doodles. Um, well, yeah, dude, that was a, a list. We mm-hmm. went through it much faster than I expected. Really? We're early 20 minutes in. Um, I actually oh, wow. I found another list, and huh. it looks like it's on arcgis.com, and mm-hmm. I'll post both articles, you know, crediting sources. So almost all the names that we read off on this list are on here as well. Sure. But there is a, a, the addition of an Elizabeth Knapp, uh, was a young servant who from Massa- was from Massachusetts. She told her master that she felt like invisible entities were strangling her. The reason for this was because she had made a deal with the devil. She promised to give them her, give him her soul if he would keep her young money and many other things. Nobody ever heard what happened to her. I thought that this was a very interesting story because Elizabeth Knapp was a servant who also sold her. Oh my God, what am I reading? Sold her soul to like the death. Okay, this is. I'm tantalized. What's happening here? No, I'm just like reading the like the way that everything is written. So sold her soul. Both sold and soul were spelt the same. Oh, soul her soul. Yeah. Um, So there's that that one. There, there's another one with George Luckins was an English tailor in the 1700s who believed that he was possessed. His neighbors state that they would hear him sing and talk in different languages and voices that were not his. They uh, they alter asked their church to help him, and they sent him to a hospital where he was um, at for 20 months. Then the hospital said it was beyond their ability to help him, and it was said that he was possessed. The exorcism was at the temple church and was successful with seven demons out of his body. I found this story crazy because I didn't know more than one demon could enter your body. Okay, I think this is someone's personal website. Hmm. But I there's a few more. I'll leave it there. We'll credit yeah. the source. The readings hurt my head. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. And so, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, whether you believe in this stuff or not, and I'm kind of on the fence... No matter how you swing it, the things that happen to some of these people are just freaking horrible. Mm-hmm. As, especially from back in the day when they just went, I guess you you got a demon in you, so we're going to do some horrible shit until you die. Yep, we're going like, to get... It's, <laughs> it's, it's just freaking horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope this wasn't too disturbing and uh, off-putting. Hope we weren't too big of jerks to uh, the victims and those who endured this stuff. If right. we were, we apologize. Um, but if you could also do us a favor, like this is the first time we've ever done an episode like this. Like this is a yeah. a first time. So mm-hmm. if this is something that you enjoy, if this is something that you want more of, you're like, hey, 
do a little some research, put some stuff together. You guys want us to put, you know, some things together where we'll basically rip somebody else off and then credit them later, <laughs> like mm-hmm. whatever. Like we'll do you, it. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. I'm fucking debt. You got. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we've we've covered a crap ton of horror movies already, and there's a crap ton more. But one of the things we haven't really done are a lot of full-on true stories and ones where it's like BTK, Dahmer. Mm-hmm. Gacy, you know, the big actual real life killings. We haven't touched those yet. And I don't know when and if we will. I'm not sure either, too, because when you start to go down those roads, like there's a million podcasts that do what we do. There's a million podcasts out there that do that. Um, You got your last podcast on the left that do exactly that and do it Mm -hmm. ungodly well. And it's like, well, God, who wants to listen to us talk about, you know, BTK when you got a five-parter that's so goddamn in-depth. But, But, I mean, that's the other thing is, I mean, there are movies about it. I mean, I Mm -hmm. have a BTK movie. I have a a Dahmer movie with Jeremy Renner. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, there are quote-unquote horror movies out there about this stuff. We just haven't touched them yet. And like I said, I don't know if we will, but if you guys want us to... Let us know. Yes, please and we, do. We can. Yeah. It'll just probably be a much different tone. It'll be more serious than this and more yeah. serious than, you know, the things we've done in the past. 100%. But, but yeah, let us know if that's what you want. Send an email, comment, review, rate, all that good stuff. Let us know. Be like, hey, I enjoyed that. It was a nice change of pace. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll most definitely find ways to work that in. Yeah. Uh, speaking of upcoming topics of discussion brandon Mm -hmm. now that we are at the end and trying to tack on as much time to this episode to make it (laughs) worth it as possible yeah so let's talk about what your next episode will be absolutely so um for those that don't know on the social medias um i've been attempting to post the upcoming episodes little um kind of clip art to let you guys know what's coming out and when it's coming and um, the next episode that I'm doing that will come out June 14th as of recording this, um, we're going to talk about the 2004, one of my personal favorites, Shaun of the Dead. I've never seen it. You've never seen Shaun of the Dead? No. You're my gonna... buddy, my buddy was really into their whole shtick and oh, hot hit... fuzz and of it all and all oh, that hot stuff. Oh, great. I just never really bought into it, okay. um, but I'm intrigued. Like I said, I watched History of Horror over the weekend, and they did a little blurb on it, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, knowing yeah. that was an upcoming pick of yours, I'm all right, I'll, I'm, I'm willing. Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, Nick Pegg and Simon Frost. Um, I hope I got. Those I feel names like you. Right. You did that exactly opposite. Is it Simon? Yeah, it's Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Oh my God! Like uh, I know yeah. Simon Pegg at least. He's in Star Trek for crying right. out loud. Right. Yeah. Mission Impossible. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I knew the names. I just fucked it up. <laughs> Surprise. Um, I I love them together. They're like what they do together is great. Hot Fuzz. I love that movie too. Um, and it would be a fun one to talk about. Unfortunately, it's not in our wheelhouse. But no. But it, Shaun um, of the Dead is. 100%. And so, yeah, that's definitely going to be my pick. 
Um, I already know what our companion episode is going to be for that. And that's going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to talking about that. This one's going to be a little bit of a real life twist, but, um, we're going to talk. I don't know this, so I'm intrigued. Yeah. We're going to talk about our zombie survival plans. I can't read your phone. I know, because I was holding it back, but like that's what we're going to talk I about. I still all... can't read your phone. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, I sent you the picture. Yeah, we're definitely going to be talking about real life, what we would do if we got caught in a Shaun of the Dead situation or a zombie apocalypse. Like it'd be, it could be interesting. Um, and if it's a fucking dud, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll see and how. And it'll it goes. be like fifteen minutes, and then we'll fuck off for a week. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like we said earlier, thank you for hanging out with us. Find us on all the social medias, Pod and Gore Podcast on Facebooks, Gore underscore Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Email us at podandgore at gmail.com. We're on Slasher. We're everywhere. Come hang out with us. Yeah. And, you know, we have things planned out, but if there's something you want us to cover, mm-hmm. let us know and we'll cover it. If you have an idea for a fun companion episode, like you see our... Uh, what our pick's going to be, and you go, oh, they're going to do this as a companion. Well, this would be even better. Let us know. Yeah. Things can change. 100%. Like I said that our companion for Shaun of the Dead would be a survival plan, but if you got a better better episode idea for that, shoot it in. We'll take it in consideration. If our planned episode doesn't work out that well, and we're like, you know, let's just transition. We'll do this. We're good. Um, Let us know what you think. So, um, thank you again as always. We appreciate you guys, and we will definitely see you guys next week. My name is Brandon. My name is Justin. And we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye bye.